What was the hardest thing in your training to get ready for these Olympics? Well, the 2022 Olympics, that is. I think just all the organizing, so many logistical challenges, along with obviously having to train each day and just try to focus and that. And I think actually having to focus on those kind of admin tasks along with performing on the track was probably the most challenging thing. Like you would have to, if something went wrong with one of your bookings or your flights or something, when you got to training, you just have to completely put that out of your mind and focus on the task at hand. And I think yeah, sometimes that got very challenging. That was probably the, the most challenging thing about it. You're listening to Empowered Podcast with Patrick McGuire as he has empowered conversations with great people, doing great things and helping others. Join us at empoweredpodcast.ca. Hey, sports fans. I got something big and exciting for you today. I am Patrick McGuire host of Empowered with Patrick McGuire, where I have empowered conversations with great people doing great things and empowering others. I'm also benefiting on this one because I, as the COO for GameFace, a sports video collaboration solution for coaches and athletes, I get to interview somebody really cool today. Somebody that's actually doing something a little different. He's pushing his limits in a different way outside of what I would say the competitive zone of Olympic athletes and sports. He's pushing himself into the business world and specifically sports business with GameFace. So we're really excited to have this guy on board. And I will say this, if you're interested in just doing something better, challenging yourself, maybe you think that you belong in this realm of business or sports and it's okay to pivot or you're not sure if it's okay to pivot. This guy is going to tell you about how he went from soccer and track to becoming his well, I would say realizing his dreams and becoming an Olympian athlete, but in skeleton and from Australia. So that's pretty interesting. It's not a straight path, my friends. I want to introduce you to my new friend, someone that's joined our team at GameFace, Australian Olympic athlete, skeleton pro, if you will, Nicholas Timmings. Nick, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Pat. Yeah, it's great to be here. It is awesome. It's absolutely my pleasure. You know, Nick, we're going to keep this casual, a little different than some of my other stuff I do, but we are double dipping, as we said, for Empowered and for Game Face, because we love talking about people that are just doing great things. And we'll dive into your sort of past and history a bit. I want to say thank you so much for joining the Game Face team on a limited engagement just to see where this goes and possibly if everything goes well, long term too. So thanks for being here. Thanks for joining Game Face with us for the next little while. No, thank you so much for the opportunity for me to learn with you guys and yeah, be part of the team. Excellent. So I'm going to call something out first for everybody that is listening and watching this. You know, Nicholas is, like I said, he's an Olympic athlete and he may or may not be done. That's up to him, folks. But what he's doing is he's pushing his limits and he's saying, I'm taking what I know and I'm pushing it into the business world. But I want to be at this time, I think I want to be in the sports business world. So he's continuing his education, even though he is this super awesome Olympian, of course, he knows that there's something more. And Nick, tell me a little bit about, you know, the education part after the 2022 Olympics. What's going on? Why are you doing this? Uh, yeah, like obviously being an athlete, you push yourself and you, you focus so much on one singular thing throughout your kind of sporting career. And yeah, I think everyone gets to that point where they realize they're going to have to, I guess, better themselves in the real world, if you will. And yeah, kind of challenge themselves in that sense. So I knew after these Olympics that I wanted to learn more and get more in the business world and because that's what I'm interested in. So 
yeah, I just wanted to see what opportunities are out there for me to learn and yeah, develop my uh, business skills. And obviously it's been a great thing that I can now do that alongside kind of still being in the sports world. That is super cool. And the way we came about and found each other was actually through a company called Virtual Internships. And if anyone has a question about virtual internships, feel free to reach out to me. Easy to find me, Patrick at empoweredentrepreneur.ca or Patrick at getgamefaced.com. And happy to talk about it. But so Nick, you through, well, first of all, let me ask you, how did you find virtual internships? And then we'll talk about how we got connected. Is that cool? Cool. Yes. So I found virtual internships through the Australian Institute of Sport. So they're doing a big drive now for athletes to obviously get careers outside of sport. And I think that's uh, alongside mental health is that, you know, that's kind of one of their main, main priorities now. So um yeah, they sent me the info on it and I thought it looked good and it was, uh, I thought it was a good opportunity for me to, yeah, obviously expand my knowledge in that sense. And um, yeah, I jumped on board, did the application, yeah, got accepted and yeah, now I'm here. That is super cool. And why I wanted to sort of pick on that one is I love the fact that the Institute of Sport, Australian Institute of Sport, is trying to help their athletes go to the next level, whether it's in sport or out of sport. I just love that they committed to you and I love that you said, hey, look, <laughs> Sign me up. I'll try it. I'll try anything. We're going to the next level of whatever the next career is. But their commitment to the athletes is not just in sport. It's beyond that. How's that? I mean, does it feel good to know that your team is supporting you even after the Olympics? Yeah, very, very well supported. And yeah, I feel um, very lucky at the moment. I think in the past, athletes kind of got out of sport and felt like a little lost and didn't know what they wanted to do. So I think, yeah, like I said, there's been a real push now for that kind of outside of sport development and learning. And yeah, I'm very privileged that I think this is probably only just the beginning of it really. So I've come out of kind of sport and the time I'm looking to develop myself is the time they're exploring these opportunities and extending it out to athletes. So yeah, feel very lucky. And just so we're clear for everybody paying attention to this one, he's got a bit of an accent. He's in Australia and he's sitting there now. I'm outside of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we are working together at Game Face. And that is the nature of sport. You can be anywhere in the world. You can do business. You can connect. You can have a podcast if you wanted to. So I'm really excited for that. Now, Nicholas or Nick, I'm calling him Nick. I'm trying to be professional and call him Nicholas, of course. But we've started to become friends through the internet, through online and through business here. But Nick, you started to get engaged with virtual internships. And I'll be truthful. I saw the resume that was presented to me. And when I saw your resume and your information, I didn't get to it right away. But when I did get to it, I was like, I got to have this guy at least to join our team to see if he likes it. Because I just felt that with all of your business background and all of your other sports background, as well as your current, yes, you're a skeleton Olympian, but uh, your other sports we'll talk about, it just, it felt like there's a reason why we should connect. And I really wanted you, unfortunately, they told me you're interviewing with somebody else with another company. And I was like, put me top of the list. I don't care what it takes. If he doesn't accept that one, I got to get him over here at Game Face. I got to talk to him. I won't ask what that other company was, but how was that sort of connection made? And why did you end up choosing to work with Game Face? Yeah, so that other company, I felt it was a bit too similar to kind of the job I'm doing now in Australia. So I didn't want to feel like I was just doing the same thing and yeah, end up wasting my time. So 
yeah, when Game Face came along and yeah, obviously it's a startup, it's within sport, it's doing video review, which I, I know the value of. So I was excited about that and obviously all the business aspects that come with it. Yeah. Excited me. So yeah, I was to get your um, call up, I guess, and uh, yeah, have that first interview with you. I like that. The call up. It's not like you were coming from the rookie league, but yeah, the call up. Good. You let's talk. Let's go back a little bit. Young Nick. Let's talk about young Nick for a little while. You weren't always a skeleton athlete in Australia, were you? No. So I did many sports growing up, but my two main ones were soccer and athletics as a junior and even senior level. And then switched to skeleton age 21. Yeah, sure. Let's go to the Olympics. I'm going to do skeleton. It's 21 is not exactly the youngest to switch over, but I think all your, I would say, high level competitive nature that's inside of you at a young age prepared you athletically to be able to jump in any sport you wanted. Would that be fair? Yeah. So I had a uncle. So my mom's brother was heavily involved in professional sport. And I think that's where the love of it came from and the want to be within that kind of professional atmosphere and that just with the professionalism associated with it. So I knew I always wanted to be kind of in that realm and yeah, even after, so it was actually injuries that stopped me from playing soccer and yeah, I knew I wanted to try something different and push the boundaries and see how far I could get. That's amazing. And uh, I'm going to call it out here. You had to fight for your spot to be a skeleton Olympian. And let's just tell them who you had to fight against. And unfortunately, it does come at great cost, but great blessings too. Who was your biggest rival? Well, yeah, some of the biggest rivals were definitely the Canadians. Who was the biggest rival sitting right next to you half the time in Australia to get that position on the skeleton team though? That's the one I'm interested. Maybe a little closer to home. That is true. Yeah. So I have a twin brother who also does skeleton. So yeah, Australia, we only qualified one spot. So unfortunately me going meant he missed out. That's so hard. I mean, you guys weren't really, it's not like it was night and day from what I can see on numbers and stats. And it seemed like you guys really were fighting for that spot. And how did that go? I mean, are you guys, you guys still buddies? You still brothers or what? Yeah, we're fine. So we actually live together now, but it kind of wasn't that mentality going <laughs> oh, into wow. it. It was, uh, we, the goal was just to make sure at least one of us got there. If two, two of us got there, great. But just the way the qualification system is, it's very difficult, especially coming from Australia. So yeah, our goal was just one of us to get there. And yeah, very fortunate that we got mal- managed it in the end. I guess we got to switch you guys over. Both of you go for the two-man bobsled or something like that, or the two-man luge or something, right? Well, we were thinking if I did my hamstring the week before, then no one would have noticed. It would have just been a straight switcheroo. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, come on over. Let's go. Let's give a shout out to your brother. Brother's name. And obviously he's living with you down there. So who's your brother? Uh, my brother's name is Dane. All right, folks, you heard it there. You got Dane and Nick that are killing it. They're working their butts off. They've done great in sports. They've continued to grow and live and love together and now living in the same house and doing great things in everything they're doing. So love the competitive nature and the style and hey. I'm an ex-hockey type guy. I'm still a hockey type guy. I still coach and I'm on the ice with kids. But I noticed like a lot of families in different sports will continue to, I don't know if it's brothership or geniality or DNA or whatever it is, but I've noticed like the Mannings in professional football, NFL, American football, there's the father and then there's three boys. There's a lot of other ones too. There's hockey. We've got three and four generations of hockey players that are playing professional hockey either in Europe or the NHL. In fact, many end up in the NHL together or Sundin's coming out of, um, you know, they were in Vancouver for a long time with the, with BC. So did you find getting to that next level 
it was good to have your brother and you pushing each other? Yeah, I think there was no way I would have got there without the competitiveness and the, the push from him. It's just, yeah, no question in my mind that I wouldn't have got there if I, yeah, if I didn't have that environment around me growing up. So some days you were his Mickey and he was Rocky and other days you were Rocky and he was Mickey in the corner. Yeah, definitely ebbed and flowed and yeah, we definitely went toe to toe sometimes. That's for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, just thinking a little bit in general, I'm going to just bounce back. What made you choose Game Face? What appealed to you about Game Face that you wanted to work with us? Obviously within the sporting realm. So that interests me a lot. And yeah, I sort of saw it was um, video review technology and with the sliding sports, that's kind of one of the main things that coaches use and athletes use to improve. And I thought that's been a big part of my life and the reason I've got to the Olympics. So why not try develop it further and yes, yeah, see if uh, it can help other athletes and yeah, help them reach the next level. Oh, I love that part. I mean, yeah, it's great that you said you love the video review and that was part of your business model. Well, not business model, but the actual model of things for the Olympic skeleton, but also I love that last piece that you want to try and help other athletes get to the next level as well. And we're fortunate enough to have you join our team for the next little while and hopefully this continues to grow and we do great things together and we have a lot of fun and continue to grow this ongoing beyond our intern partnership. But um, okay, so just doubling back a little bit, you get into this sort of desire to coach and help others. But let's talk about your video review stuff, because I've seen some of your clips that you shared with me, and we're currently sharing on Game Face now, and we're seeing some of your clips in video. How did you guys use video in your training? Yeah, so video, like I said, is just it's the main thing everyone in the sliding sports uses to improve. Like you'll see at big races, a team of coaches standing on each consecutive corner. You might have, depending how many bodies you can get, but you'll have eight coaches on consecutive corners just filming their athletes. And yeah, you'll get to the end of the session, you'll put it all together and you'll just kick apart every single little thing about what you're seeing in these videos. And in sliding sports, the slightest adjustments mean big things like when you're talking about, I think in one race, I lost 10 positions because of three of a second. So when there's such a big difference in that sense, like making these minute adjustments in each single corner is just going to make a massive difference to not only your overall performance, but yeah, these individual runs, I guess. Okay. Well, I'm, I've been fortunate enough. People don't know it. They don't see it, but I've been fortunate enough to be able to see some of your video clips and folks, he's telling the truth. This guy's raw. He says, yeah, I could have been a little tighter in this corner and came out faster. He still critiques his own training runs and they're long gone, of course, and gone in the past. But I love to be able to see that. And I like the idea that you say that, you know, you could have eight coaches and stitching together videos that they've all personally run. Selfishly here, obviously, we can all upload. We could have eight coaches upload their videos into what we call Game Face, into the Nick Timmings team account, if you will. And they could all chat and collaborate on that. So that's pretty cool. I like that. How would you use or how would you communicate all of these video reviews that all these eight coaches were doing? What did you guys do at the end? Was it just thrown up there or did they all show their own and then just tell you what to do? Or did you guys text each other? How did that work out? Unfortunately, like coming from Australia, we don't have, it's not the most organized. So sometimes it was a bit wishy-washy and I guess you just try to get video wherever you could. You just try 
track down this coach um, or this helper or whatever. But yeah, the more organized systems I was in, obviously going into the Olympics, we would do video review sessions. We couldn't get together because of like COVID reasons or something. Yeah, there would try to be like a, a thread where you would, you would chat to your coach online. And yeah, you'd try, try your best to review the video while you're not face-to-face. But yeah, sometimes it's a big challenge. I think sometimes I didn't even get the video that some of the coaches videoed just because I couldn't get a track. I couldn't get a hold of them or yeah, just didn't know like they lost the video within their iPad or something like that. Or yeah, so sometimes it was a mess, but yeah, we did what we could. And in the end, did our best with the video and I guess the situations we were dealt with. Very cool. Well, it's good to hear that. I'm hopeful that we're changing things with Game Face. We're changing the way that video is shared. Hopefully, one thing that I've noticed personally is it's better for file management because I record it, I upload it, and I tag it to a team. And I know I'm going to find it later because I am the worst, Nick. At I keep everything. Honestly, I do. I keep every file you can, but I don't always name them properly. I don't always put them in a place that's easy to find. So I can relate to those coaches that are out there that are losing video somewhere in a random cloud or something like that. But I am glad, of course, that we're able to share this and I'm getting your feedback for Game Face and our team is already making some adjustments based on it. I got a nice document from Nick, by the way. So if you're thinking about this virtual internship type idea, again, reach out to me. I'd be happy to help you introduce you. But part of the requirements to do this ongoing education to change the career path, which as Nick mentioned, he changed it before from soccer and other athletics right to skeleton. And now changing it into sports business, relaying everything he's done in the past. Part of this ongoing education is we have to file some stuff back and forth and we have to submit some documents and we have to be able to collaborate and make sure that we're on target to, I guess, enhance what you're doing already, Nick, because Nick is involved in venue operations right now. So he is still tied to sports that way. And obviously he's a high performing skeleton athlete and he can apply all the performance and dedication and commitment because I don't care what anyone says, Nick, getting to be an Olympic athlete, it's not easy. I mean, you're doing school, you're doing training, you have to eat, sleep and train 24 hours a day. It's not just a part-time job. And then you squeeze in school on top of that and business on top of that. So I know that whatever you choose to do, you're at a different level than the average person who's just trying to get into a job. And I'm just going to commend you on that. I'm going to say thank you very much because boy, do I love watching all the Olympic athletes push their limits. And I kind of wish I did it. Secretly, I wanted to be a bobsledder. I didn't know where to go. But thank you very much for entertaining everybody. And thanks for trying to give back to the athletes. It's going to be an awesome ride with you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, for the compliments. And uh, it definitely was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And um, hopefully I can share some of my experiences and knowledge that I gained along the way. Yeah, that'd be great. And we're going to continue to do that. And I'd love to have some ongoing conversations with you about that and maybe just sort of sharing with other athletes, motivate them, inspire them, maybe remind them that they're not stuck in a sport. They're not, you don't come out and say, I'm a soccer player. You come out and say, I'm Nick Timmings, right? And you come out and do whatever you got to do to get to the next level and always compete. And I don't think that's going to ever leave you. I think you're going to be a competitor until the day you're done. Not done sports, I mean done. And that won't be for a very long time. (laughs) Tell me, what was the hardest thing in your training to get ready for these Olympics? Well, the 2022 Olympics, that is. Um, I think just all the organizing, so many logistical challenges, along with obviously having to train each day and just try to focus and that. And I think actually having to focus on those kind of admin tasks along with performing on the track was probably the most challenging thing. Like you would have to 
if something went wrong with one of your bookings or your flights or something, when you got to training, you just have to completely put that out of your mind and focus on the task at hand. And I think, yeah, sometimes that got very challenging. That was probably the most challenging thing about last season. And I would assume that being relatively small, if you will, in terms of team qualifying one, Australia doesn't have the largest support network or systems that are automated in place or a team of people to do all the work for you getting ready for the Olympics. Would it would you say that's right? They're a smaller team, support team for you? Yeah, very small. So there's no actual skeleton program. So we don't have managers, coaches, um, physios, anything like that. So getting to the Olympics is all pretty much by yourself. So the majority, I did 16 races to qualify for the Olympics. So I pretty much organized all of them myself, got my own coach, I did my own travel and everything. But as soon as I got that qualification for the Olympics, then the Australian Olympic Committee stepped in and organized everything. So that was a big relief. But yeah, to get to that point, it was all off my own back. And yeah, I really had to focus. So you and your brother were just running and gunning, booking all your appointments, your flights, your travel... You were just doing that. And luckily there was two of you. So maybe you got to split a little bit of the duties, but you did it all yourselves to qualify. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Everything ourselves. And like you said, like at least we got to split some costs here and there, but yeah, at the end of the day, it was, I think half of the time we were in different locations. So yeah, just doing our own thing. Oh my goodness. Wow. Question going back a little bit is what drew you to skeleton because honestly we're diving head first into like ice walls you're just this side of crazy okay i'm gonna say it bluntly what drew you to it so i always liked like kind of adrenaline sports and when i was a teenager like kind of young teenager we would go on a lot of snowboarding trips to japan and like within australia and that so i always loved the snow and the Australian Skeleton and Bobsled Federation went recruiting track athletes. And at the time I was doing, I was a sprinter and a long jumper. So they kind of targeted those kind of events and told everyone that was transferable skills. So pretty much went to a testing day and they identified me and they said, do you want to come try this sport? And I think just that, yeah, like that talent transfer along with my love of the winter and snow and that, yeah, it just fit perfectly. That is amazing. Out of curiosity who was kind of the instigator on that one. I mean, both you and your brother ended up in skeleton. Did they just come and say to both of you, you need to be over here? Or was there a little bit of a humming and a hawing and one of you nudged the other one or how'd that work out? I think, yeah, I was probably the one, the instigator and Dean kind of, I guess, maybe considered it at the start and then maybe just researched a bit more, looked into it a bit more and thought, yeah, this is pretty cool. I want to do it as well. So. We did our first like training camp together, but yeah, I think at the very beginning, I was the one that kind of jumped into it first. Very cool. I just love the fact that two brothers in a place that doesn't have a whole lot of skeleton going on, decided that they're going to change that. And they got in there together and did such a great job. And he was just like seconds behind qualifying with you. Is that right? Did I get that right? I read it somewhere. It's a bit more complicated than that because um, the qualification goes off your world ranking and there's three tiers of competition. So as Australia, we had to kind of play the system where we would bounce around to different circuits doing different races. So pretty much the way it worked for us was whoever was at the, like after the first couple of races, whoever had a better world ranking, we would try focus on them and get them the races where they think or they thought they could get the better results. So pretty much 
after a couple of races, it was one person kind of sacrificing for the other one. And that's just pretty much how it worked. So I think by the end, there was a pretty decent gap, but it was only because we kind of made this model where, yeah, the best chance would kind of get the pick of the races. So yeah, that kind of happened and it just rolled from there. So super tacticians and crazy strategic. I love that even more. Like all these little things I keep learning about you and your brother. It's, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> this is why I love Olympic athletes that are just committed to getting to the next level. And especially in your situation, being with your twin and folks look them up online, Dean and Nick Timmings. And if there's a couple that show up, just type in Olympic athlete or Australian Olympics and Olympian, and it'll come up. But they look similar in structure and stature and, and facial recognition, if you will. We actually joked just earlier that if one of them pulled a hamstring, the other one was going to jump in, nobody would be none the wiser. Obviously, we wouldn't do that if the IOC is listening. It was a joke. But it's really cool to hear that you guys fought together to get those spots, fought together to make sure one of you was going to go and get your name up there at the Olympics. And also fought to make sure that you supported each other, no matter who it was going to be. I love that. It's very strategic. And I'm really impressed with that. And more reason why, Nick, I wanted you to be on our team at Game Face. I just, and more reason why I want you on the Empowered Podcast. Let's get real about this. I think it'll be really interesting to see where you can take this. What do you think about video and sports? Because I know you used it at the Olympic level and you had coaches all over the world that were helping you and sometimes locally, sometimes not locally. Like you said, they lost files. What do you think about amateur sports and athletics using video collaboration? Is that starting to change? Do you see more younger sports and athletes playing with video? Yeah, I definitely see a change even with the local leagues over here in Australia, I think. Everyone's kind of realized that video review is the way to get to the next level for their athletes. And um, it's definitely getting, I guess, wider, like widely used over here, even at the lower levels. And yeah, I think a lot of people have realized that it is the way to get to the next level with performance. We actually have a little bit of a, a side tangent in our business model. It's not necessarily the model for Game Face. I haven't really shared this much with you. It'll come out in future release of the application. But for those listening, part of our vision is like Nick to help younger athletes get to the next level. But we have a plan and we have some partnerships in place that will allow them with our verified scout program, which will be forthcoming next year, next Q2 roughly, that will allow people to be able to outreach to recruiters and scouts. I want to play for a D1 school in the US, or I want to go to a friend of mine's in Berm. He's, he's a soccer guy, but he's now learned to love winter, I think is what he told me. <laughs> but helping young athletes, maybe they're not going to go pro, but they want to go to college and university before they make that decision to go pro. So being able to use video, we have found that you can communicate better and share that and just say, hey, come check out my highlights, my reels, my clips. I know, Nick, you're playing with clips already and it's really cool to see, but that's part of our little secret sauce that we have a long-term vision. If we know that we can help a dozen athletes, a thousand athletes, a hundred thousand athletes get to the next level, go to uni or college and who knows where they go. That's enough for us. We've done something good beyond just offering somebody a product or a tool to review their video and collaborate with a coach. So that's why we have a bit of a unique alignment together. And I like your vision to help athletes. 
Nick, what are you what are you doing now? I mean, you're doing virtual internship. You're sort of going back to education, of course. You're working with GameFace on this part time, but you're also uh, doing doing operations venue west. Is that right? Yeah, so that's my day job at the moment. I just pay the bills. Yeah, I do venue operations at a company called Venues West here in WA. And yeah, just work with a lot of events. And yeah, recently it's been a lot of sporting events as well. So yeah, it's something different every day. That is super cool. Well, you've been there about four years now. So you did that while you were preparing for the Olympics. How did it go balancing work and training? Yeah, some days were really tough. Just finding that balance between how much money I need and then obviously just focusing on training and that was really tough. Some days last year, I would work like 10, 10 hours, 10, 11 hours and then have to go to training after. And yeah, just those nights, I was just absolutely wrecked. And yeah, there was definitely some days where I had to just take a step back from either training or work and just have like a full rest day and yeah, recuperate. So yeah, it's definitely a balancing act. And yeah, something that uh, if you can master i guess and get a grasp of you can uh, you'll go a lot further and you'll be a lot healthier with your sporting endeavors yeah very cool i can tell you from all the people i've talked to olympic athletes pro athletes on their journey to get there they did lots of things from having the right coaches finding the right people wherever they are in the world using video using chat messages or picture reviews and things like that to working school working and school i should say and training and none of them said it was easy at all. And I think you're right. One of the things we have to remember is sometimes we need to rest. And that's a big piece of it. How would you say your recuperation was when you were trying to train and work? Was it ideal? Was it good? Was it bad? I think this past year, so leading into the Olympics, it was good. But that's only because I learned the hard way in previous years where I would try to push through when I was tired and maybe get injured in the gym. So I definitely have learned the hard way. And uh, yeah, kind of just got to listen to your body and my actual one main goal for the off season last year was to um, stay injury free, stay healthy. So it wasn't any performance goals, no any like squat this amount, run this amount. My one and only goal was stay fit, stay healthy. And yeah, I knew from if I did that, I could uh, make the Olympics. And I know you got to the Olympics, but did you stay injury free? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Mission nothing, accomplished, nothing right? We got to set goals. Good, good. We did. And uh, I'm thinking of this now. I mean, you're not a guy that quits. So are you still training? Are you training for anything specific? Are you just messing around or have you become a couch potato? Definitely still training. I don't think I could ever stop really. It's just kind of ingrained now. Like I'm definitely not training as much as I was obviously leading into the Olympics, but even I, th- I think I train four times a week and in my mind, that's, that's pretty slack and pretty lazy. So take a step back and realize that. Yeah, realize that kind of, uh, there is a bit of life outside of sport and, but I'm getting a healthy balance at the moment, which is really nice. Good. Good for you. Well, hopefully you get enough rest that you need. Not going to pry into it too much, but do we have a future Olympic challenge coming up or what are you going to do? So my goal this year was to take the competitive season off and obviously focus on things like, um, like this, yeah, furthering myself and doing a bit of learning and developing in that. But yeah, I always said that I would come back to Skeleton, reassess and see how I go from there. So definitely next Olympics is uh, on the cards. Awesome. Well, I am real hopeful that if everything goes well, you get the rest you need, you feel rejuvenated, you're still passionate about Skeleton, that you and your brother can both fight for those spots and hopefully we get two spots and you both get them 
And I hope that we can travel with you through this journey with Game Face and that as an empowered entrepreneur type guy that I am, I want to make sure we're there with you on the journey and we support you along the way as well. So it'd be really exciting to look back on this and hopefully inspire and motivate a whole bunch of young athletes that just don't know what sport they want to do, that they're just purebred athletes naturally, that they find their calling like you and your brother did. And it's super cool. Nick, any words of wisdom to young athletes that you might just drop a nugget on us? I actually, I had a little talk to some of the athletes at the Institute the other day. And yeah, one piece of advice from me is find the reason why you're doing the sport you do. Because if you know within yourself your reason, then kind of the intrinsic motivation will be there. It's easy to stay motivated when you've got that kind of team environment around you and you've got people watching, like you always want to do your best, but the times when you have to train by yourself and maybe things aren't going the best is when you really need that kind of internal motivation to, to keep yourself going. So I think finding the reason why you're actually doing what you're doing will get you through and will ensure you have a long and successful career. Oh, I like that a lot. Finding your reason, having a purpose and driving it with passion is, I mean, that's a message that we can give to anybody, I think. And it's just really awesome to hear it from someone who made that pivot in their sport and pushed the limits. And obviously you found a reason and we're really thankful for it. And I love watching the video clips. Thank you very much. And we'll have a little fun. Nick, just in case anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to find you? I probably use Instagram the most. So it's n.timmings on Instagram and I probably use LinkedIn a fair bit now. I'm getting the hang of LinkedIn a bit more now. So probably those two, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. So find him on LinkedIn and find him on Instagram. So it's pretty straightforward. It's Nicholas Timmings, Olympic athlete. You should be able to just search that online. You'll probably find him, find his socials, but mostly on Instagram and now taking a good crack at LinkedIn as we do more business together. Thank you so much. And Nick, just as we go to sign off, I just want to say thank you so much for spending time with me on this conversation. Thank you so much for giving some inspiration to some young athletes and just people that are out there and also motivating some of the business people out there, the entrepreneurs, the retirees, the retired athletes, that is, or the wannabe athletes, as I still think I might be, as we get older in business, knowing your reason, having a passion and that purpose is really big. And that's great advice. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for coming on the podcast. No, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Like you said, uh, yeah, hopefully we can inspire some people to, yeah, go out and do what they love and yeah, just realize it's like, you're never too old to start doing something and uh, yeah, pursue your passion. Unfortunately, that's not always true. I love cycling now and I won't be a pro racer. It could be. There might be an event out there for you. Yes. Well, folks, thank you so much for joining me on the Empowered Podcast with Nicholas Timmings. You'll find more of this on YouTube, on empoweredentrepreneur.ca. If you're looking to get into a peer group, we do that with Empowered Entrepreneur. So we bring peers together from different areas of business and life and sports that can help move you to the next level. So we have groups, peer groups that are just in the sports category, peer groups that are in technology, peer groups in entrepreneurship and startups, peer groups that are in executive category. So visit empoweredentrepreneur.ca and check out our group sessions. Pretty awesome when you got 10 minds solving your biggest problem every single month. That's a lot of power. And the other thing too is we talked a lot about GameFace. So check out getgameface.com and I want you to get GameFace for free. You can go ahead and sign up at getgameface.com. Absolutely free. It's our gift to you. Check it out. See what we're talking about, how video and collaboration go together and can elevate your game to the next level. And who knows? 
maybe like Nick and his brother, you guys can push the limits of sports and Nick became an Olympic athlete. Maybe you're next. Thank you so much for joining Empowered Podcast with Patrick McGuire, where I have empowered conversations with great people doing great things to empower others. And Nick, thank you, my friend. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll chat soon. Empowered. A Blue Mix podcast is hosted by Patrick McGuire and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. Empowered podcast may be compensated by sponsors, products, or services in this show. For more empowered content, subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit bluemex.io to join us on Discord.